Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Loiza, and today's guest is CEO and founder of Liberate, Liv Bowser. Liv started her career in the brand management and public relations space with reputable brands in the New York market, to then shifting over to e-commerce. Now, she has founded Liberate, the world's first mental fitness studio founded on the belief that health is multidimensional. Welcome, Liv. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, of course. I am so excited to go ahead and dive right in. So yeah, let's get started. Can you share with us a little background on yourself, how you got to where you are today, and what's inspiring you? Yeah, I really started out as a true and true marketer, you know, focused on that in school and felt like I was going to follow a pretty traditional path. And then through my own experiences in startup culture, I realized I felt super stressed and anxious and burnt out all the time and didn't have any resources to feel better and quickly became pretty obsessed with the idea of of finding a solution and something to fix that gap, fill that gap, and it ended up turning into Liberate. Um, But it's been, you know, really inspiring, honestly, to connect with other female entrepreneurs and to hear other people's stories. What I found through going on this journey was that everyone has a version of my story and my experience of, you know, experiencing extreme burnout and feeling a little bit at a loss. We all have our own version of that with some challenge. And it's really inspiring to realize that we are all in this together and we can become stronger together too. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you you nailed it. The entrepreneurial journey has so many, so many intricacies about it. And what's wonderful is that you are connecting with other female founders into the space that are starting to navigate through these waters with you. So with that being said, let's definitely touch on the story about Liberate. My goodness, you guys have gone and grown exponentially over the past year. And I really kind of want to reflect back actually during your experiences in the brand marketing space. Would you happen to say that those experiences specifically had any correlation to how you created Liberate, maybe from like the brand vision, the appeal? And can you talk us a little bit more about that? Totally. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy I had startup experience before starting my own startup because you really are in the trenches and you learn so much about how to get a business off the ground floor from watching other people do it. I was employee number one at a startup, my first job out of college. And so I got to really wear so many different hats. I was doing the email marketing and working in the PR side of things. I was doing demos at Costco for the CPG product. And I was really, I mean, if there was something to do, I was doing it. And that's a really wonderful experience to have because it taught me, of course, what I like and what I don't like. It also taught me what's required to be, you know, an entrepreneur and to be part of startup culture. And I think subconsciously, I didn't even realize it at the time, but I was, you know, I was watching the CEO. I was watching the founding team and seeing how they interacted and seeing what their schedules were like. And even if I didn't realize that I was inspired or turned on by that, I was. And I felt like I maybe understood more of what to do or what was expected of me once I became a founder myself because I had been around them. It's it's, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And so I was around founders from day one and that allowed me to see myself as one at the end of the day. Yeah. And you're exactly right. I, 
I think the first part of that is something that is so understated is the fact that when you are starting a whole new business, people are going to tell you like, yes, get ready. You're going to have to wear multiple hats. But my goodness, you really do not see it until you've actually worn multiple hats all at the same time. Um, and different situations will, will come around, whereas you may have to pick up one hat for a few days and then completely do a 180 and, and pick up another. And um, I, I think that's also part of the beauty of, of going through and experiencing the startup culture before coming on and founding your own company. So is that right? Is that what you're, what you're thinking? Yeah, it really was. You know, whether it was, I was employee number one at that startup, I worked at a startup digital agency and I worked at another startup where I wasn't employee number one. I was probably in the first 25 and was near the CEO and the founder. So again, I had this they were always nearby. It was like in my peripheral vision. I saw what they were doing. I got to have meetings with them. I had this exposure to the stressors and the empowerment that comes with that type of leadership. And it was really inspiring to me. I think toward, you know, the latter half of those jobs, I was more aware of how inspiring it was and that I wanted to be them. In the beginning, I'm not really sure I knew, but it definitely made me feel like, okay, this might not be the easiest path, but I see other people, specifically other women doing it. And that makes me think that I can do it too. Of course, you know, along those lines of seeing and being inspired by these incredible stories by these founders, one platform that has really been able to uh, kind of really see and and amplify the voices of founders is Shark Tank, and you were on it. <laughs> uh, congratulations on your latest spot. Also, plug for those who have not seen it yet. Make sure you check it out. But yeah, let's go ahead talk about it. Share? Can you share a little bit about your personal experience? Yes. Yeah. My my biggest claim to fame now is that we were on Shark Tank in December 2021. Um, the, the process is, you know, a little bit of a lengthy one. You can Google what the, what the process is if you want all the top secrets, but it is something that I always thought that I would do. And by thought, I mean like the same way when you're six years old and you think you're going to go to the Olympics or gymnastics. I didn't really know if I was going to be able to make it happen, but it was a dream of mine. And we applied online the same way, you know, anyone applies. It's a pretty easy form on a website and 30,000 people apply every single season, about 100 actually air. The odds are not in your favor in general. And then you add in the fact that my company is primarily a B2B model as well as, you know, we're a service-based company. And both of those things don't really mesh with the typical product that you see on the show. So it felt a little bit like a shot in the dark, but luckily for us, mental fitness and, and mental well-being has never been a more important topic, especially in the U.S. and with everything going on with, with COVID. So I think that helped us stand out from the crowd with the Shark Tank team. And it was just such an amazing experience from the preparation required to go into it to the mental strength needed to feel confident, you know, when that day came and then actually being in the tank and being able to build those relationships, get that feedback and, and really grow from the experience. And then of course, when it aired, it created a lot of great publicity for Liberate too. So from start to finish, it was a roller coaster, but it was such a rewarding experience. It definitely, you know, one for the books. I don't know if I'll ever go on again, but I'm super happy I did it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. My goodness. I can't imagine. And I think one thing that is so incredibly valuable about having that experience is one of the most scariest parts of being a founder and CEO, which is pitching to investors. And no matter you can anybody who's listening, regardless of how many times that you've done it, it is always such a thrilling experience when it comes to the capital raising process. And given your experience in pitching to investors, what advice would you have for other fellow founders? Do we want advice for Shark Tank or advice for a real pitch? <laughs> I guess either or. <laughs> well, we'll start with Shark Tank. Not that Shark Tank isn't a real pitch, but it's not your standard pitch, you don't go into a room and there's, you know, 20 feet of, of extremely powerful people surrounding you and, and asking you question after question. That's not typically the other side of it that I've experienced. So for Shark Tank, I would say, and really, I guess this applies to both, but just know your stuff. Like, yes, know your numbers, know your story, be prepared. I believe that preparation equals confidence. And the only reason I was able to go out and be so confident on the show was because I did 300 flashcards every single day for three months. And I watched every single episode of Shark Tank. So whatever that equivalent is for you, maybe it's reading up on the investors or the VC that you're pitching, or, you know, just really going through your deck and sharing it with members of your team for feedback the more prepared you are for something, the more confident you feel. The product stays the same no matter what. You know, your service is still great. You're still you, but the energy that you bring to the table and the way that you present yourself and your business is significantly different, I think. So that was, you know, that applies to both, um, to both Shark Tank and investor meetings. And I think to go off of that, also be able to have fun with it and show your personality, especially as a smaller business. I think people that you connect with are looking to get to know you. So if you're really, you know, buttoned up and professional and, and kind of cut and dry, it might not be an accurate representation of what you would really be like to work with. And that's what people are looking for at that point. So I tried to do that in Shark Tank. I tried to do that in my meetings of just being who I am and then hoping that, you know, you get a good match because of that. Yeah, that you're so right. You know, if you think about it, the capital raising investor to founder relationship, it's a long-term relationship. And in long-term relationships, you are going to do your homework on that other person. You are going to make sure it's a great fit. And then you're also, the last point is you're going to make sure that they are really truing their true authentic self. Because in the investment and capital raising and fundraising process, not only are investors providing you with capital, but you're also signing on to them being your active investors and being a part of your journey. And that's incredibly important that you're doing your due diligence on both sides. You know, now I want to kind of go into the broader, broader mental health revolution. And you just touched on it too, to why it was so intriguing to Shark Tank, because now so more than ever, thankfully, mental fitness, mental health is starting to become a topic of conversation. And in your perspective, and I think this also ties very well to what how Liberate has been able to operate. Can you talk about how corporate wellness specifically, how it's going to evolve into the future? And especially considering the fact that we're constantly, constantly innovating in our digital technologies and our digital software solutions. You know, teams are starting to really understand the importance of mental well-being and COVID-19 definitely accelerated that priority for a lot of companies. But there are so many different ways to interpret 
how to take care of mental well-being. And that's why I'm in this space because I recognize the importance of power of a purely on-demand solution like a meditation app and the power of having a solution like therapy available to your employees as well. That said, there's a massive gap in between those two solutions and there should be another opportunity for team members to connect and to work on their well-being together as a community to become stronger and connected as a team, even if they are in remote and disconnected and stressed out environments. Companies and HR and people leaders are going to have to find a way to create culture and morale, whether they're in a purely remote or hybrid environment. That doesn't mean those things don't matter anymore. It just means we have to get more creative with the solutions that we're offering the team. So I see, you know, an opportunity for a lot more interactive experiences within mental well-being. Maybe even just don't call it mental health, you know, call it mental fitness and make it this more accessible and approachable way to build a toolkit of skills and to leave the stigma behind and making it a fun and team-oriented activity can create a more welcoming nature to new practices that maybe employees would be a little bit apprehensive to sign up for therapy through a solution provided with their benefits package. But if it's a skill building class where you meditate and journal a little and it feels more approachable, your employees could be more inclined to explore other ways to take care of their well-being. So I think there's a lot of creativity involved in how to get team members on board. It's similar to you know, you can teach a man to fish and you feed him for life or you give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. And so offering a blanket solution for your company is a little like giving a man a fish. Maybe they go to the therapy solution. Maybe they don't. Maybe they use the on-demand meditation. Maybe they don't. But if you teach them together how to take care of their mind, skills that they can use on a daily basis that's going to improve every aspect of the company and the culture. You know, employees are 70% more likely to stay at a company if they have a well-being program in place. And it also has positive impacts on their productivity and return. So it really is a win-win from every angle. And it's just about listening to your team and finding a way that works for everyone in your environment to really reap the benefits. Sure. And one thing that's in, that was really intriguing is the fact that you're really creating more of this model that makes it more familiar to people, more approachable, I think is really the main word that you were saying. And, you know, when you think about the stigmas and the, the movement that we are trying to create as uh, kind of as society now breaking the stigma, it comes to, it comes down to making things a little bit more familiar. It, it comes down to making them a little bit more comfortable with things that they they know, that they hear, that um, perhaps their friends are already doing, which is ultimately going to be fitness. And that was so intriguing to me when I first heard about Liberate and the work that you're doing is that you're so incredibly intentional about the words that you're using. Granted, I think that also can kind of goes back to your marketing roots and thinking about the familiar fitness space. You know, we've got more of like the traditional fitness, which is what everybody's used to. The very modalities like yoga, Pilates, strength training, you name it. In mental fitness, can you talk about that a little more? Are there different types of mental fitness training that one can practice? And on the other hand, too, are there different types of options, modifications, depending on the needs of the member? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So mental fitness is a term that's definitely, I think, kind of blown up in the past year or so. Um, and it, it encompasses anything that you're doing to build mental skills, mental muscles, as we call them at Liberate. So behavioral changes is the goal within these mental fitness practices. The same way you would lift dumbbells to tone your biceps, you can do mental exercises to tone mental muscles like courage or gratitude or resilience in a similar fashion, the more work you do, the stronger you become. There are so many different ways to practice mental fitness, as simple as like a noting exercise, you know, starting to notice when you're frustrated, what does that feel like? Or when you're distracted, what's going on to create greater awareness. And then there are the traditional methods that we use in Liberate, which is mindful movement, seated stretching that you can do at your desk. This could be walking too. Going for a walk is a form of mental fitness if you can bring in some of that awareness with it too. Intention setting is a really powerful practice that can be used for a year, for a quarter, for a month, any measure of time to really get clear on your goals and, and flex that muscle of being present and being focused so you can achieve what you're after. And then there's journaling, of course, my favorite. Journaling is such a powerful practice to release worries, to boost memory, creativity, productivity. So it really is relevant for the workplace and for personal life. That line is super blurred at this point. So mental fitness is good for both sides of the equation. And then practices like meditation are, I think maybe the original format of mental fitness was just purely meditation. And now because we realize that meditation isn't for everyone. Not everyone is comfortable starting their mental fitness practice by sitting in silence. Maybe they'll get there eventually, but how can we ease them into mental fitness? How can we meet people where they are and say, okay, if meditation's not for you, that's fine. What if we journal for five minutes and then meditate for a minute after? Then it might feel a little bit more comfortable because you're more comfortable with your thoughts and with yourself. And so really exploring different ways to get into mental fitness is, I think, the future of mental fitness, recognizing that it's not one size fits all. There's so many different ways to practice mental fitness. You could color, like buy an adult coloring book, you know, and that's technically mental fitness too, because it has these really decompressing effects on your mind after a long day of work. So it's important to recognize that just like physical fitness and all the different practices you were naming, Pilates, strength training, berries, soul cycle. There are so many different formats of physical fitness and there are just as many formats of mental fitness. And up until now, I don't think that, well, I still think we need to talk about it more, but up until now, I don't think it, that was really known or talked about. Yeah, that's, that is incredible. And you know, when I hear about this, it sounds like you have developed quite a unique methodology or even curriculum for the type of content and trainings and programs that you're developing. And it comes down to actually full circle to what we were just talking about, about making it more approachable, making it more familiar with consumers. So from the curriculum standpoint, can you share what's your secret sauce at Liberate? What's, how did you develop this incredible methodology? Yeah. So our method was created with a mental performance coach and it's just my favorite, one of my favorite parts of, of Liberate is I was doing so much research. I was talking to every sports psychologist and performance coach and meditation teacher and you know competitor instructor, anyone who would talk to me. I wanted to get their thoughts on the space and learn what they were doing and what they thought was missing. And I ended up chatting with this mental performance coach who's hired by physical 
college athlete coaches to have the mental performance coach come in and give supplemental required mental fitness training for these athletes because the coaches know that if they're feeling confident, if they're present, if they're courageous, they're going to go out and they're going to perform to their best ability. They're going to win more games. They're going to run faster. And I thought that was so powerful that from an athletic standpoint, you know that you still need to have your mind in great shape to be able to perform. And I thought about that compared to the average Joe who, you know, I have presentations at work and I have tough conversation with friends and how can I put myself in a position to perform at my best too in my daily life and in work. And so we really adapted the work that he did with collegiate athletes into what is now the Liberate Method so that we can all reap the benefits of these proven science-backed practices in a way that's just as fun and engaging as a physical fitness workout. And then we're able to take those practices with us into daily life and continue to flex the muscles and get stronger. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. You have truly created this unique model where you're democratizing access to mental well-being. And that is just so, so admirable. And I can only imagine the growth to come. And speaking of growth and, and future state, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself and Liberate? This is going to be a big year for us, our second full year in existence, and we're really focused on building out our team and our tech so that we're able to support more companies nationwide and globally, and not only supporting teams of 50 to 500 as we have been doing, but teams of thousands and really creating a space where if you're working at a company, we have a custom solution for you that's going to create the most meaningful impact and really our goal is to strengthen collective well-being, and we do that by taking the most fragile part of you, a fragile part of your team, and empowering strength within that. So we're going to be just taking it up a notch and creating more custom solutions for as many teams as we can reach. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, we're definitely looking forward to it. Final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? I've been thinking about it and I really just would want pure encouragement in my advice and pure faith in yourself and your ability to make the right decisions and that includes making mistakes. Whatever you do, do it well and you know, if you have represented yourself to your best of your ability, then you're good. You know, if you start a company in it and it doesn't work out, Great. Did you try hard? You know, if you go on Shark Tank and you didn't get a deal, amazing. Did you do your best, you know, and really being kind to yourself and allowing yourself to take risks. I don't want to do anything out of fear. There's no room for fear here. So that would be my best advice is to just go after it and be kind to yourself. Thank you so much, Liv, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Liberate, the mental fitness studio offering virtual programs to strengthen your mental well-being. Looking to hear more what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on the trip.